substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Welcome to a special edition of The Outsiders. This one is dedicated to International Women's Day. Hello, Robin Brownlee. How are you, man? Fine, thank you. Hey, people get two episodes for the price of one today, but this is a great idea. We're we're saluting two guests that we had on this past year, women, obviously, on this special day, who we really loved chatting with, Tara Sloan from Sportsnet and Cammie Granato from the Seattle Kraken. And we wanted to give people an opportunity to hear portions of those interviews that we've done here in the past year because we just love them so much. And it was so kind of them to come on. Uh, do you have any recollections, anything that stood out for you of the two interviews? Because I, I enjoyed doing both of them. Yeah, like, likewise here, Bryn. The funny thing is, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't realize today was International Women's Day until today when it came across Twitter but there was a question posed yesterday or the day before about who do you think uh, might become the first female general manager in the National Hockey League? And immediately I thought of Cami Granato. I mean, her background in hockey is unquestioned. She's in the Hall of Fame. She's a pro scout with the Seattle crack and she knows the game. She knows the guts of the game. And I immediately thought of her. And then of course, in the last day or so, Hey, happy international women's day. So uh, I can't claim to be uh, uh, greatly aware of the day, although I am now, uh, but it just seems like a natural. Uh, Cammy was a great guest with us. Not, and not that long ago. And Tara's got her own program on Sportsnet, and it's fantastic. She'll explain exactly the uh, the evolution of her program and also talk a little bit about her background and how she got started in the business. Same thing with Cammy. So we're not going to waste time with the two old guys talking. We're going to let uh, we're going to let the ladies do the talking today. And uh, I hope you enjoyed as much as we enjoyed talking to them. Can you tell everybody a little bit about top of her game and how this thing got started? Because you're telling some great stories. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, my kind of running joke at this point is it, it sort of took a pandemic to get a, a show about women in sport off the ground, which is kind of true. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, the pause in, in live sports uh, left space for a lot of us to think, okay, what are we missing? And, Ron McLean and I have always been really intentional about including stories um, that, uh, that are representative of all Canadians uh, during Rogers hometown hockey. And obviously that's one of the shows that, that got cut short. And so for me, women in sport is a, is a big passion for me. I've always been a pretty strong advocate. And so 
there was room for this to happen. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's just a, it's a weekly show where I do one sort of long form feature interview with an inspiring women, woman or girl in, in the world of sport. And then we also show, do some, some features. Uh, I think we're going on our 16th or 17th week now, and we're just going to keep doing it until they tell us to stop because we know that there's no shortage of stories. Um, we just, we need to share them. And, and it's really important for youth out there to, to see that, that this is happening. So I feel really good about it. Tara, one of the things is, uh, I mean, it's a big picture, but one of the things is uh, women in sports media, mm-hmm. uh, getting getting uh, the faces out there that are part of the game, whether it's the National Hockey League, uh, CFL, NBA. Um, we've, we've had some women in this town uh, who, you know, been sort of leading edge a little bit. I mean, uh, Joanne Ireland for a long time was a CFL writer here at the Edmonton Journal, covered mm-hmm. the Oilers. Uh, Lynn Phillips, who's the daughter of Rod Phillips, the longtime mm-hmm. Oilers play-by-play man, uh, she's on uh, the sports desk here in town. But there's always room for more. And I'm surprised when you say it took a pandemic. Now, I know that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but how come it's, how come it's taking so long? Ah, I, that's a good question. I think it's multifaceted. You know, I mean, I think it is a matter of being what you can be. So, I mean, I think the more um, our faces are and voices are out there, the more, you know, a young girl can, can grow up seeing that that's an opportunity, that that's a possibility for her. Um, but, I, you know, I do think that there has to be some intentionality about it. You know, I, the bottom line for me is, if you want to be inclusive, truly inclusive, if you want to be representative and tell the stories of all Canadians, you can't do that from just one perspective. So, you know, I think the onus is really on broadcasters and media in general to say, we want to include women's stories. And in order to include women's stories properly, women need to tell these stories. So, but you know, it, I'm not saying it has to be mandated, but I think it, there just has to be an understanding that if you really want the full spectrum, that's what you have to do. Now, we'll go back down that road and some of the other roads in a minute, but let's talk about you and how you got started in this. I remember I was working at Sports at 960, the fan in Calgary. You were at City TV. I think it was 2012, mm-hmm. and the Olympics were on from London. And one week you were co-hosting with Pat Steinberg, and then you got stuck with me for a week. You were fantastic. You just blew me away. But you went from a show that you were doing, it was a crazy show, and you did all sorts of different topics. Did you always have this one thing that you wanted to do, and that was cover a lot of sports, and maybe from a different perspective, as you've pointed out? As soon as I got into TV, and and people who know my career know that that's not where I started. I I had a music career before that and sort of jumped into TV um, in the mid-2000s. But as soon as I got into television full-time, I started to steer myself towards sports. I was always drawn to it, and hockey in particular. Um, It's funny to say now because it's such a bad word, but I was really drawn towards the the culture of, of sport and hockey in particular, the camaraderie, the teamwork. Um, and so 
when I moved to Calgary and took the job at breakfast television, I was just, I was kind of just putting myself out there and saying like, okay, Kelly Kirsch, who's the uh, program director there. I would like to do something. What can I do? And and they happened to have this slot available to do some coverage for the Olympics. Um, I did some junior hockey when I was in Calgary. I did curling. I did bobsleigh. I kind of did whatever I could to get my foot in the door. And then I, you know, I think it's, partially just great timing and, and good luck. But I had the relationships in place when uh, Sportsnet secured the NHL deal and announced that hometown hockey was going to be a thing. And Ron McLean was going to be at the helm. And I, I sent a, a note to the president of Sportsnet saying, I, I think this is a perfect marriage of storytelling and, and hockey for me. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to proclaim what it is you want. And I definitely did that. But I, I also, often found myself in the right place at the right time as well. Now, you talk about, you know, you can knock on the door all you want. Uh, luckily, you've had the opportunity to walk through it. But one of the things that seems to me uh, that has to happen is you need women in the decision-making roles that when a bunch of eager, fresh faces be they male or female, show up saying, I really want to be a broadcaster, that that women's perspective is there. But first, they have to start somewhere to get there. Mm -hmm. So it's a chicken and egg kind of thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think it's what they call similarity bias, right? You kind of like the hiring practices end up being what um, people in the executive know. And again, I I think, you know, I think it's starting to shift. And I, I do think it's starting that is starting to be mandated, you know, it's like, okay, we, we cannot be so insular anymore, but of course the, the progress is, is slower than most of us want. And, you know, even when we do get in the door, there are just, there are things that, that we face, there are double standards that, that we face that, um, you know, our male colleagues do not necessarily have to deal with. So, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta push through some things, but uh, we're getting there. Okay, let's even go further back and let's talk about music because music's played a huge part of your life. Like huge. Yes. Well, I mean, music, quite honestly, is my first passion. Um, going way, way back, I actually was, I had my sights set on opera. So I started my... Opera? My musical... Yeah, my musical drive was really in, in classical music. And then, you know, I kind of botched my first attempt at university. And uh, I ended up... I had worked at Sam the Record Man, for those of you who remember, all through high school. And um, I loved rock music. And I just, I ended up, you know, I moved to Toronto. Uh, I looked in the back of a a weekly paper and and found an ad for a band looking for a a lead singer, a woman. And I ended up joining a band called Joy Drop. And we, we lucked out. We got a we got a record deal in the States. We did a bunch of touring. We put out two albums. And so that was, uh, that was trial by fire too. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, but it was, it was amazing. You know, we had some big songs and some great experiences. And then I went on to do a show in 2005 called Rockstar in Excess, which was also quite a, a shock to the system, but that was a, a reality show to find the next lead singer of, of in Excess. Um, so, but honestly, that show, was really what got me into TV because it did nothing for my music career, <laughs> but kind of got me into television. So you never know what's going to happen.
Okay, so the Hockey Hall of Fame 2010, International Ice Hockey Federation, also U.S. Hockey. So, Cammy, you're now with the Seattle Kraken. Tell us exactly what the new gig is. This sounds fun. Oh, it is fun. It is. It is. It's, it's really fun. The job itself is fantastic, actually. I really um, have learned a lot in the last year. I'm really enjoying what I do. I think it's super rewarding to be part of a, uh, something that's building from the ground up. So the scouting part, you know, being able to contribute to help put a team on the ice is incredibly uh, cool and, and exciting. And I'm, I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. And then the organization on top of that is remarkable. Honestly, it's remarkable. I, you, there's no other NHL team that you look at and go, it, it's just not the same. It's not, it's not the cookie cutter. It's, it's, it's um, built in mind to have diversity, inclusion, people from all different walks of life, all different ages, all different opinions. That's really unique. And that alone, uh, with uh, Todd Lywicki at the at the helm of that, the hires he's made, and and the way that everybody works together collaboratively. We had this COVID happen. We all worked on task force together. So I was meeting people from all different parts of the organization, and everyone else was. Um, there's always meetings for uh, everyone that can jump on and be on together. So the Zoom and the virtual part has really helped us all get to know each other, and the attitude energy and just um i think the fundamentals of the club itself are it's built for success in that way and i just think hopefully the team will follow in that i think it will uh with the people that we bring in um but it's uh it's wonderful to be a part of it you've done everything when it comes to to play in the game and you've been an announcer you've been involved in media but how did the conversation start with you and the crack and about hey come and be a scout with us so I had, I remember when the team was announced that they, when they were getting a team, my husband and I, Ray, were both really excited because we live three hours north of Seattle in Vancouver. And I was thinking, I got to be involved somehow. I want to be involved. So I hadn't really like talked to anybody from there. Um, but I had just a call in August come, actually Ron Francis called Ray to get my number. Um, and then Ray, and then Ron called me a couple of days later and asked if I would want to do some scouting. And that was the, I hadn't put my name in for any of that. I just, I know he was looking for, um, for scouts. And when he asked, I was like, he's like, take the weekend to think about it. And I'm thinking, mm, I don't think I don't, I'll, I'll take the weekend. I told him, sure. I'll call you later. But after I hung the phone up, I was like, ah, I'm not saying no to this. Like it's too great of an opportunity. So I was just super, uh, thrilled. And I, this is going to be deja vu all over again, because this is a discussion we had with Ray on one of our very first podcasts about that transition from playing hockey to becoming a broadcaster, thinking you could always do it. And then you start doing it and it's like, Oh my goodness, I'm way in over my head here. I can learn this, but I just didn't think it was going to be this tough in your particular situation, moving into scouting. Are you finding it's tougher than you thought, or are you just moving in there? So, so, so smoothly. Um, you know what? I think that, I, I broadcasting, I actually did some broadcasting when I was, when I was, uh, done playing hockey. And that was a lot more challenging to me because it was so different because you had to get your thoughts in, in like the smallest increments. And, and you, you really had to know when and how to jive. So that was a long learning curve. And I, and I'm not a person that gets my words out in like a small sentence. Like I need a few minutes to, to get it out. Right. So I was like, this is not my strength. Like I, I could do studio work and that was fine. But so that was, that was challenging. And, um, but for me, I think the the scouting part 
you're basically watching a game and you're giving your opinion. So you don't have to be anything else but yourself. And I think I have the ultimate confidence in my ability to recognize what I see on the ice and put it into words. So the learning curve was trying to figure out the software. Um, It was learning how to file reports. It was how many guys should I scout? Um, And then, and and then the team would Ron and, and, and the hockey ops would let us know what, you know, how to, how to, what they want more of what they want less of. And so great, great advice from a lot of scouts that say, you know, it takes a couple years to get to know the league. Um, so don't write something down that you don't really believe in. You got to be behind your words. And that, and I've stuck to that from the beginning and, um, and I've evolved. I've, I can see how I've evolved over the year, but I still have a lot to learn. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's basically giving your opinion on what you see. And that's the easy part because I, I trust myself because I've, you know, I, I know the game. Now, Cammy, I understand you're uh, in a pro scouting capacity uh, moving forward. Um, what has that looked like for you up till this point, given the complications with COVID? Uh, what sort of territory are you going to be working for the crack? And, and has there been any challenges uh, where it's a lot of Zoom meetings and not so many in person? Yeah, you know what? I think there's been some things with, with the virtual that have helped us and there's been some things that, that, are, that are not as fortunate, right? So we can't, we couldn't get into the arenas and watch as much hockey as we could. The AHL hasn't been running up uh, up and running like it should be. Um, so it is harder to get games. Thank goodness for technology because you can see games that have been previously taped. You can watch, we watched virtually. We did the playoffs, uh, for, for example, um, all virtually. The bonus of that was we learned more t- teams and we all really focused on on knowing those teams and so that was the bonus is we have this I mean if it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago or even maybe five years ago going through this it would have been way harder without the you know all the tapes that that are recorded and 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 the data so so it's been okay um I think for me I've I've, I'm a I do the NHL I'm an NHL scout so I I covered last year at the uh all the all at Rogers Arena here in Vancouver I covered the Western Conference, specifically um, the Pacific Division. And then this year, I'm, c- I'm covering the Canadian Division. And so I can get to the arenas, which has been fantastic. Watching a game live, I think the benefits of that is you can see stuff behind the play. And, and you can just see more of the, the defensemen and, and how, how, the, you know, how, the, how the play started. Uh, you can also see the speed a little bit better than you can online. Um, so that's been great going to the games. But, but there's also the virtual component that can work. And I think... Uh, we've struck a nice balance with that and we're just forging ahead because that's really all we have. And I think, um, again, we'll be, we'll be okay. It's just, uh, it's just figuring out how, how to get through those challenges and really just, you know, get to the ground and work. Is there an advantage to seeing the same team play two or three times over the span of two or three nights? Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. It's because uh, I, I found that in the playoffs. I found that it's a lot easier to see players uh, in that short time and then get to know their tendencies, get to know, you know, what they're about, you know, in all different situations. And I quite like the three game series, two to three game series, what you're seeing already currently. Um, it is hard right to not judge too much because some of these guys haven't played in over a year and some of them have, you know, anyone that's been injured hasn't played in over a year. And then other players, we know there was that break and we know they're getting going. So we have to be a little bit more aware of that. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's just sort of what we're, what we're looking at and, and understanding, but it's really, we're happy that it's going on and we're able to get into some of the ranks and, and do the, do what we need to do to get the team on the ice. It's gotta be timing wise. It's gotta be pretty good for you, Cammy, because you're not looking at 
players now with a decision that needs to be made in a week or a month about how they might fit in down the road. Do we want this guy? What would we give up to get this guy? A lot of the regular scouting questions. It's sort of like training wheels for you and the organization right now until you get up and running, isn't it? Well, it is and it isn't. Like it is in that scenario that you're talking about, but it isn't because we're building a team. And this team, we want to build it right from the start. So there's a, there's, it's not a, it's not a bad pressure, but there's a pressure on us to get it right and really overanalyze. We, this is the time to, to work extra hard. This is the time to overanalyze. This is the time to really try to figure out, like, if you, if you think there's a few guys that, you know, are in this mix to be unprotected, like, which one's going to benefit and why, and, and really, like, look at that in a, in a deeper way and really hit it hard. So I think that's where it feels really um, pressing in a good way. Um, we have a date for July for when we, when we draft a team. And when that, when that got on the calendar, it was like, okay, this is what we're, we're doing this for right now because we gotta, we gotta be right on this. Um, and I think that's the fun part and it's the challenging part, but I'm, you know, I, I really enjoy this process and I'm to be a part of a team that starts from ground up is pretty unique. So there you go. That's Cami Granado from the Seattle Kraken. And just prior to that, it was Tara Sloan from Sportsnet on International Women's Day. Special edition of the Outsiders today. So two for the price of one on this on this release day. Uh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. It was great to go back and listen to the two interviews. The Tara one was done in October. And we talked to Cami in early February. And I know that's not that long ago, but we thought it was kind of special. And we, we enjoyed talking with both of them, Robin. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not long. I mean, we're getting closer and closer to the date when the uh, Kraken get going. And that's an exciting uh, prospect uh, down the road in Seattle. Cammy's going to be a big part of that. So especially on a day like today, a tip of the cap to her and Tara. Qualified ladies who know what they are doing and are not afraid to go after it in a men's world that was that that is is changing. And I think changing for the better. I hear you, pal. Okay. That's it. Special edition of The Outsiders today. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle.